0: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. How you doing, I O? How are I'm you? I'm good. Welcome
1: to the studio.
2: Thank you. I really like this studio. It has the effect of, like, the womb now. I come in here and I feel safe.
1: And hello, Zach. Zach, you're here. I'm here. Zach, our editor. And what other title?
2: Editor is such an underestimation of what Zach does on the show. All the credits on the show are fucked. I'm like, none of this actually equates to what everybody does. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're doing this episode of the show so that we can actually talk about what the fuck happens. Yeah. So this episode is going to have a lot of spoilers, basically all the spoilers for the whole season. So if you haven't heard the series, go back and binge it first.
3: So we were just listening to that South by uh, Southwest talk. So before we launched the show, Io and I went to South by Southwest to like play a, a trailer. But I... Told everybody I knew that we were premiering at South by Southwest, so I <laughs> for sure got
2: eighty percent of the value of anything at South by Southwest is getting to say that you premiered yeah, at South yeah, by Southwest. Yeah.
3: Hi, everybody! Thanks for coming. Um, this is
2: like just intimate enough to is actually very hang it's perfect. out. Perfect.
3: It's good because we got some.
2: We have some very intimate
3: conversations to share. Conversations to share
1: so. This was before the show had come out, and so there were a lot of secrets that. Mm-hmm you couldn't talk about.
2: Oh, I want to tell them so many things, but I'm not. (laughs) oh, we're still in the last phases of the investigation. So I'm still like, I want to tell you guys
1: what's going on. But one of the big secrets didn't have to do with the investigation at all, right? It had to do with a storytelling decision that we made. When do we reveal Io's connection to the story? Yeah. Right.
3: And we've always, for as long as you and I were talking about the story, we, that was like the thing that we yeah. led with. It's like, and it's investigated by the Rebecca kid. Rebecca's kid. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. Like It's like this personal journey, and that's what made it interesting. And so then Mark
1: came in. Mark Smerling, our other editor.
2: Well, Mark came in at the 11th hour with this hair brand idea that turned out to be genius that was— let's not reveal it until after Rebecca's told the entirety of her story, the story of them meeting. The story so just a few long. weeks before the show launched, we went to South by Southwest to test out Mark's new structure idea of holding back my relationship with Rebecca. Yeah, there's a there's a major secret that
3: we'll, <laughs> we, we will probably... Let's play, a, really, clip. Let's play yeah. a clip and then we'll talk about the secret.
2: And then we played the trailer. And the trailer doesn't reveal that I'm her right. kid. And then I was like, and by the way.
3: So how did you find out about this story? Well, the big secret is that Rebecca's my mom. I
2: think it works. I think it works. And I remember there was an audible gasp yeah. in the room. Yeah. And we were like, high five. Look, it yeah. works. Okay, it works. <laughs> Let's do it. Today... Zach, Austin, and I peel back the curtain a bit. We'll give you some juicy secrets about how we made the show, and we'll reflect on how we feel about it now. From Crimetown, I'm Io Tillett-Wright, and this is a behind-the-scenes bonus episode of The Ballad of Billy Balls. Austin?
1: Hello. How you?
2: All right, tell me what you want to know.
1: Well, first of all, what what's Billy's real name? What's his full legal name?
2: William Heitzman. There might be a daughter, and I think my mom might know her name. For some reason, she thinks that she lives in
3: Oregon.
1: All right, well, if she exists, I'm, I'm confident we can find her.
3: To me, what's missing in all of this is like we need the other. We have if we get this police report and we find out what happens to him, and you can
1: introduce some of that, out. that stuff. Yeah. yeah, that would be amazing.
4: So, so at
0: the end, end of this, there's Rebecca. some sort of coming together of these two, Io and Rebecca, either bad or good. We don't know, but I something's think. coming. Some end sort of, the of, com- end yeah. of the yeah, Yeah. yeah.
2: Epilogue four, The Ballad of the
1: Ballad. All right, Io. So, how did this whole thing come together? How did it start? I was
2: planning to write a book. It was called The Ballad of Billy Balls and His Baby Girl. That was, and it was going to be a memoir, nonfiction, murder investigation book. And then, I was listening to all these true crime podcasts. I went through a breakup and I was like in the sweltering sun in Joshua Tree building furniture, listening to every true crime podcast I can get my hands on because I'm a sick motherfucker. Right. Like everybody
3: listening to this podcast. (laughs) Like everybody else. (laughs) You're great. You're all great. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And then I heard your name as I was listening to Crime Town.
3: I'm Zach Stewart Pontier. I'm Mark Smurley. Welcome. Crime town. I was
2: like, no fucking way. I'd met Zach probably 15 or so years ago through my friend Jamie Raisin. Shout out, Jamie. Who was working on a movie that Zach was editing. And he wouldn't stop talking about this brilliant young editor. Zach, Zach, Zach. So when I found out that Zach had gotten into podcasting, I was just like, I know I want to make a podcast. I yeah. know I want to, like... This medium is beautiful and exciting and really cool. And then I just asked you to have lunch. You were starting to work on Crime Town Season 2. And it was freezing and we were at a Whole Foods in like Gowanus. Uh I told him about the book and he was like, that would make an epic podcast. Have you ever thought about making a podcast? And I was like, well, I've thought about it, but I didn't. Oh, yeah, that's genius.
3: Because he was a musician and because you were saying my mom had documented big parts of her life there's all these recordings yeah. and
2: her accent's so crazy and wild and the way she talks is so crazy and wild and I figured everybody around would also be audio gold and yeah. so as soon as you said it I was like bing like yeah. yes it yeah. has to be a podcast and I kept writing and whatever but it really at that point I was like oh that's what this is supposed to be right And then I went off and tried to make it on my own, yeah. which was know, a great lesson in people saying no to things and you being like, no, I'm sure. Because <laughs> everybody I talked to from these other networks and stuff were like, well, have you found the killer? Do you know how it ends? And I was like, no, you don't understand. It's not. It's just it's an amorphous. It's a study in humanity. And nobody wants to hear that. They're like, right. who's the good guy? Who's the bad yeah. guy? You know? And I was like, no, it's it's about love, but death. but uh.'" <laughs> I couldn't articulate it, but I knew you got it yeah. because we came up with it together, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh then the heavens parted and I came in here and you guys were like, So this is Austin, go have lunch with him. And I was like, Okay, who the fuck is Austin? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are basically like, We are slammed and yeah. Austin's the man and we yeah. want him to be like the lead on yeah. this.
1: Yeah, so- I mean, yeah, from my perspective, it was Zach. Just being like, all right, so (laughs) what do you think about this? (laughs) There's and he gave me your pitch deck. What was the spiel that he how did he explain it? What was his elevator pitch of the Uh, the ballad? I mean I don't remember it that clearly, but it was something like, All right, so there's this murder mystery that Mm. takes place in the East Village in the early eighties, and I was like, Ooh. (laughs) Okay, all right, keep going. He was a musician. Whoa! All right, all right. Um, and then you have to work with IO till it right. And I was like, no. no. <laughs> and so yeah, that that was it. I was excited about it. I was excited about the prospect of it. We had no idea what it was going to be. None of us. Um, and so that was that was honestly a little exciting. Um, so it was a thing where it was go have lunch with IO and. <laughs> See how you get along. See if you'll be able to work together. Yeah. And then we sat down and had lunch, and you were lovely, and you told me about California and all this yeah. stuff, and I was like, "All right, great, let's do it." <laughs> was it thumbs up, like in the did you, yeah in the in the
3: lunch where you guys like we're doing this? For me, I was like, "I I can yeah. do this." Yeah. I had no questions yeah.
2: about him. I think our only question at that point was whether or not somebody was going to give us the money to make it. Right.
3: Until we got Cadence. Um, really on board and they came in and they, they were great. The first trip
2: when I came to New York in December, I came here for a week before we had a green light. I bought the ticket. Yeah. That week, we just kind of like sat down. I remember you like asking me what do you hope to get from this project and it was still all, it was like Raw meat, you know, still very like unseasoned and uncooked.
3: We should play. We should play some of that interview yeah. because it's like so interesting to hear, like the
1: w- wide-eyed sort of
2: yeah hopes what we thought, and maybe. all the
1: things. So, so, in terms of this project, what exactly do you want to get from this?
2: This is my first recorded sit down with Austin. We need to piece together a picture of who Billy was a real picture of who Billy was versus my mom's interpretation. And then we need to somehow, which is going to be the hardest part, crack the NYPD case files and get them to possibly incriminate themselves in a murder. And it might just be that. It might be right there on a piece of paper, arresting officer so-and-so, and this is the guy that shot him. That's the guy I want to get to. I want to find who the dude is. Who is the guy in the cowboy hat?
3: It's like strangely prescient or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, 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 on cer- certain things that you're saying yeah. like absolutely happen.
2: I want to sit down with him and I want to ask him, do you remember this man? Do you remember this day? What happened? Why did you shoot this guy? Why did you go back to the hospital? Why did he die?
3: And then certain things are just like, not at all. Not huh? even in the ballpark, yeah. you know?
2: And maybe he's so old, he'll be like, we needed to get rid of him, you know? Maybe the guy's dead. I don't know. But if I could find his killer and have a real conversation with him, it might set my mom free, is really what I would hope.
3: It's a really, uh, it's just the fucking interesting thing about this process.
2: This show is such a. I, people have expressed surprise at the fact that we were making it as we put it out. And I think that that doesn't even begin to touch on the, like, it was real live growth and real live emotion and things changing in my family week to week. This is impossible for most people to imagine. The episodes came out at 6 a.m. on Thursday mornings, and at 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. on every fucking Wednesday night, Austin is here in the studio, most likely with Kenny, probably Zach, making the shit before it comes out in, like, a matter of
3: hours.
1: And Sam Baer. And Sam Bear, Sam Baer, our other engineer. Over the course of the season,
3: you kind of go from being like, "Oh my God, we only have four days to to do this!" Like, "Holy shit!" To like, by the end of the season, you're like, "We have four days! Like, we're fine. We got this time. Totally fine. Okay, yeah, let's try this. We, I mean, we got four days. Still has to come out.
2: Yeah. Like it. It was not pre-done. It was not preordained at all. No. A lot of things happened last minute or by stroke of luck. Everything from Ron Kuby coming in to save the day. To that faint imprint of the undercover cop's name on the police report, and even basic production choices like what our theme song would be, and also the theme song. Oh, we went through oh, a whole yeah. thing. We went through so many. Different well, yeah, different theme because songs. I was like
3: really wanting to to use Billy's music. Oh, this that right. was a whole yeah. thing. Yeah, so we had Kenny, pl- uh, take some of Billy's songs.
2: We asked Kenny Kusiak, our resident composer and sound engineer, to try turning a few of Billy's tracks into potential theme songs for the show. Here's one early sketch.
3: You should play some of that, and you'll hear just how fucking wrong they are. (laughs) I take total, and I was the one pushing it. So that's I'm not. This is not Kenny. Kenny was actually following the horrible direction that I was giving oh, him. Oh,
2: but we were trying stuff. Yeah, we you were have to try. Yeah. You have to try.
3: You have to try. We swing hard, but when it's not working, like pretty much everybody gets on board we're and is like, "Okay, it the it's can. not working. Yeah, let's try something else." And like, yeah. And so then
2: I thought of Light Asylum at some you point. You really
3: saved the day.
2: That fucking song, kicks oh.
3: ass. You had a relationship with. Shannon. I've known Shannon like, I know since I was, song. like, a
2: teenager. Yeah. I'm talking about Shannon Funches, the lead singer of Light Asylum. I loved Shannon. She used to perform at the Bowery Poetry Club with my mom, I think. I just knew her from the village from, like, when I—literally, I was a kid. And now people are, like, rediscovering Light Asylum or first-time discovering Light Asylum. And, like, oh, my God, are they a good band.
3: Should we play some of their other music for a yes. second? Yes.
2: This is one of my favorite Lightest Album songs. It's called IPC. They're so good.
1: But yeah, what people really don't know is that the decision to use Light Asylum happened probably Super a week late. before we launched the show. If that. So, Which is why you don't hear Light Asylum in our trailer. In in
2: no more. Coming up, we get into our favorite moments from making the show. That's after this break. Okay. So we're back in the studio with me, Austin, and our editor Zach.
3: Like what what are some of your favorite parts of the show or favorite parts of making the show?
2: Um the fact that we got the answers like that's just so fucking i'm so proud of that like that's so insane we found the guy in the cowboy hat we got the police report we like amanda talked to us you know like we got we found his body yeah all the things that i wanted to solve we solved which is crazy yeah yeah I mean, I already cried about this in the credits, but my relationship with Austin, I'm not looking at him because I can't, but my relationship with Austin is, like, a gift that I will never, you know. Yeah. That's something for
3: life. You guys have been through it.
2: Yeah. And I think there's just—it's so personal, and my mom's such a character, and and there's a—you know, I freaked out a couple times and had, like, just, like, irrational panic about weird shit and just— stick in the mud about the wrong things because I was just having an emotional response to how crazy this whole process was. And, like, there's Austin just being like, okay, I'm going to take a walk and talk to you and, like, give you space to air your feelings and stay on the fucking phone with you for three hours while you figure out what the fuck's wrong with you. And that is a—when you're dealing with something as emotional and and trauma-connected as this whole thing was, was essential to making it possible, so— I got Austin out of this. Um, Yeah. I don't know. What about you? What are some of your favorite things?
3: I love the Heart Island episode. Yeah. The birds. Oh.
2: The birds are nice, yeah. The sound of the birds. Mm. You want to just leave you alone for a minute with them? Yeah, you could leave me alone for just a few minutes maybe.
1: Hmm. but i've been around birds you see why because all my life when i was grown up my brother had birds
4: always oh really mostly harmless little birds all of them where do you keep all those birds <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Where do> you...
4: <laughs> isn't that pronounced <laughs> aviary <laughs>
2: The birds. Okay. We have to tell them that the birds was Austin's. Like, oh, of course. I want they know. the whole world know. to know. They
3: know. They know. Yeah. Most of it is Austin's genius. All right. All right. All right. Move on. Move on. All right. <laughs> uh, Austin is profoundly <laughs> uncomfortable with compliments, yeah. just so everyone knows. That's true. I love the way you handled that interview with the guy in the cowboy hat who wasn't actually wearing a cowboy hat, but, uh, <laughs> but I love the way that that worked. It was really a special. Thing.
2: I wonder if you're comfortable telling me a little bit about like what you felt in that situation. Like, was that a rare occurrence? Or there?
1: Yeah, it's a rare occurrence. I actually ended up in a shootout of any kind, and I was not happy with it at all. I mean, you can't be happy being involved in something like that.
2: So it's bothered you?
1: Not at all. Of course, it is. You didn't want that to happen.
2: Yeah.
3: I can't imagine anyone being happy about it. Obviously. I know not we around shooting people. I was a cop for like 40 years. And he was the only one.
2: He's the only one? Yeah. Oh, my God.
3: Like the fact that you ha- you were able to have the a connection with that person, I think made the show in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because I think if that goes a different way, yeah, it's it like not a, as. And it would have totally been reasonable for it to okay, go a different well, way because of everything again, really that everybody who listens to the show totally understands. Uh, but I just love that.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. I
3: love the ending. I love, like, I think of that, like, Tarantino, like, moment of seeing them, like, go off into the sunset, and I love that. Which was your genius. Yeah, we should give
1: some credit here. Yeah. This was not, I mean, so it it was that in the studio with your mom during that last sit-down. It all happened in the way that you heard in that episode. You revealed to your mom whatever she wanted to know. It was very tense.
2: Do you want to know anything about the cop or any of that stuff?
4: I'd like to see him. Fry and be six feet under, all right? That's that's it.
1: I mean, side note, I'm sitting here in the studio (laughs) watching this happen.
2: Oh, God. And when
1: she asked about his name.
2: What's his name? You sure you want to know that? Yeah, I want to know. Why? Why do you think?
1: I could see you processing it, and I'm, like, gripping the seats. (laughs) I'm like, don't tell her, don't tell her, don't tell her. I don't know, Mom.
2: Let's... I got to think about whether or not it's smart to, to tell you
1: that. That interview did happen the way that it happened in the last episode. But, Zach, as is your role in this show to kind of supervise the the bigger picture structural things, you had an idea to bring it back and end with the scene with Billy. There was a story about you guys going to Boston.
4: Right.
2: Oh, It's
3: just like a beautiful thing. It's
2: literally them driving off into the well. So the snow set. Snow set. (laughs) I imagine her draped across the bench seat, her bleach blonde head resting on Billy's thigh as he skids through the snow, a cigarette dangling from his mouth. She reaches up, and caresses the collarbones of the man she will love forever as they sing together. Freezing air flies up from the highway below, but they're unfazed, warmed by love. God. We knew when my mom sat down and she sang that fucking song, yep. Austin and I looked at each other and we knew. Yep. Even she knew. And she said yep. it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's the best ending for your show. You could ask me more positive questions if you like, but I think that's a great way to end the whole show.
3: Sure. But that was not originally what we thought the ending was going to be. No, as we were structuring the show, as we were r- reporting everything we, we were we were certain it was going to end on Hard Island mm-hmm. with your mom in front of the grave. That's really what we thought, yeah, right? but until you took that trip,
2: good old Rebecca never fails to surprise you.
3: We had always imagined you had always imagined that, that, that there would end. be this catharsis for your for your mom, which it wasn't. So then we're constantly like, okay, well, then there needs to be a final sit-down. But the final sit-down wasn't going to be in the studio originally. It was going to be at her house, which would have been a totally different thing. And then circumstances shift again, and now it's in the studio. And now, okay, we're we're rolling with that. Okay, so it's like we're like – it's a very live ball, and all of the decisions that we're making are kind of like reacting to things. But also being like present and trying to like – Mold it the way we think it should kind of be going. Yeah. It's a fucking fascinating process. Well, I, I just want to say like, none of the work that I've ever done has touched people the way this has. Wow. Yeah. Like your yeah. openness and your like the personal nature of the story like profoundly impacted the people that listened. So it's like all these voicemails, all these emails, all these comments. Like they're really passionate. You're just about like it. wow. Like you know, people liked Crime Town, but it's not the same thing. It's not deep. It's not as deep. Yeah. To like be a part of this thing that like was connecting on that level was really special.
2: Yeah. It feels really, really amazing to hear and see and read all these messages from people saying that it's, like, impacted them emotionally, changed them, pushed them, made them think about things, you know. This both affected me as a mother and a daughter. And the phrase, the past matters for your journey, but the ultimate end goal is radically authentic presence with another person. That just resonated with me, with the past, with my father and also
3: wondering what it is that I'm doing to my own children.
4: So, I just listened to the whole podcast. It was amazing.
0: You guys, like, fucking touch me. And, yeah, wow, just fucking wow. A
4: ass man bawling in his car. Thank you. I actually lost someone uh, as well, who is was the love of my life, and I realized as I listened to this podcast that I will love
2: him forever. So anyway, I wanted to thank you, also thank your mom um, for both of you being so vulnerable, and um, thank you. Bye bye. I agree with Ham that, Doctor Ham, that vulnerability is a superpower. I feel stronger than I was when I went into this. I feel. That vulnerability hasn't cost me anything. Like it was painful to make it, but like I find, I think you it would be more painful to make something that wasn't vulnerable. If nothing else from this story, I hope that people um, take that. That would be incredible. Yeah. More vulnerability and honesty and art and in the world. Yeah.
3: What's your life like now, Io, post show?
2: My life now involves a lot of desert. And I um, have been remodeling a house and like building furniture in it. And I think that's just like what I created to escape my brain. Mostly, um, I drive around in my 1990 Ford Ranger pickup truck that has no AC. What color? It's white. And it's currently between 104 and 113 degrees daily in Joshua Tree, But it's dry heat, so it's manageable. Right. And I take my little dogs, and I put them in my truck, and I load my truck up with tools. And then I go, and I put things together, and build things, and, like, listen to Weird Murder. P- I'm basically right back where I started.
1: <laughs> and uh, I O, how is your mom doing? How's Rebecca? Great question.
2: My mom, she's okay. That's the honest answer is she's okay. You know, she doesn't have the context of what we were making. Um, She did not want to listen to it because it's not entertainment for her. It's her greatest trauma And so I think there was a lot of kind of feeling like her most personal information was being put out in the world without her control. And she was like kind of flailing around in the dark a little bit. There was a moment though, during this show. So my mom has a version of my childhood that's different than mine, where she thinks it was, you know, roses and peaches and glorious because she doesn't remember a lot of what happened. And so my dad came in for his episode, and he, in that interview, that was the first time he's ever owned the role of drugs in his judgment in my childhood. So that really changed my relationship with my father. And so she went up to lunch at his house in the Bronx, and he had a conversation with her, and she called me afterwards sobbing and said, basically apologized for fucking up my childhood for the first time in my whole life. And I was totally didn't know what to do. I was like standing in my like construction site in Joshua Tree, just kind of like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I love you, I love you, uh, bye. And that is a moment that I've literally been waiting for my whole life and only happened because of this process. But then, boom, she went right back into, you know, denial and the the fear and irrational kind of outbursts. So, um, I think in the end, she is better for the fact that I've grown through this process. But if she could choose, I would say she probably would not have done this. Although, I don't know, you know, it's the, the, the Heart Island thing, like we don't know how that affected her yet. It's going to take time for that to settle in. So I don't know how she's doing. Just like the show, it's complicated, and that's what makes it beautiful. But also difficult.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So we never got to my favorite parts of the show. One of my favorite parts of this was a lot of Io you and my venturing out into the city and oh, just yeah. being knuckleheads and <laughs> our first reporting trip we went up to the upper east side to talk to this woman that we're calling Natasha 86 in Lech- and left yeah. and after that interview we went and got a sandwich
2: hot and crusty that's
1: our best bet I like hot and crusty their uh, black and white cookies are really good and we were standing oh, in yeah. line and you're like uh Ruth Bader Ginsburg is over there <laughs>
2: Ruth Bader
1: Ginsburg is here. What? Oh, my God. She was so tiny. She, she was so small. shit looked
2: like Ruth Bader Ginsburg.
1: No, that was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. No fucking way. Yeah, it was. I don't know. I
2: think I was fucking with you, and I oh, think it worked.
1: No, this was her.
2: I have the Instagram story. I posted an Instagram story of this little old lady and wrote... Rbg question mark? I pulled the story back up in the studio. Tell me, is that her?
3: I don't think so. No, wait, wait. We're come coming,
1: here, That's never not.
2: Austin counters and pulls up a real photo of Rbg online.
1: This is her.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the hair color is not right. Glasses are exactly the same.
2: Oh my god, it really looks like her. It's her. That's why it looks like her.
3: The posture does seem like her. It really but I feel like, like her. But I feel like a lot of people who are 86 probably might have that posture.
2: This mystery must be solved. Can you see her rings anywhere? Is there a picture of, like, her hands anywhere? Because this person has on Put two Ruth rings. Put Ruth Bader
3: Ginsburg hands. I'm curious. <laughs> Here's yeah, those yeah. hands. Yeah,
2: Oh my god. Austin pulls up another picture of RBG that shows her hands. Zach, this is fucking RBG. Woo! You know? Look at the rings. What? What? Change your mind. Look at the rings. You see it?
1: Oh yeah.
2: Oh my god, it was fucking RBG and we didn't
1: fucking talk to her? Oh, I stared at <laughs> the whole time. I narrated her whole eating experience. Into the microphone? Into the microphone. I was thrilled. That's the tape. Oh, Play the tape. Play, play the, the tape. Play the tape. Ruth Bader Ginsburg just finished her soup She's cleaning up her tray She's cleaning the crumbs off her tray She's such a saint RBG just put on bright red lipstick Like a boss Somebody's coming to meet RBG An older man RBG's getting up
2: We solved another mystery Why? <laughs> RBG awesome. likes soup
1: Groundbreaking investigative journalism.
2: I just thought it was an old lady who looks like her. Mm. Unbelievable.
1: And I was always trying to think in my head of a moment when we could get that in the show. (laughs) Here it is. Here it is. Here it is.
2: I want to thank everybody who's listened to this show for all of your feedback, all of your voicemails, everything you've written to me online. The response has been tremendous and it gives us all so much wind in our sails. Thank you. I'm gonna miss you. is Zach Stewart-Pontier and Mark Smerling. The Ballad of Billy Balls is hosted by me, Io Tillett-Wright, and made in partnership with Cadence 13. Now you have to find me on the internet, I'm Io loves you on everything. If you want to know more about my story, you can pick up my memoir, Darling Days. We still have that voicemail line set up for you to call us. I'm going to keep checking it, so please call. The number is 570-392-9660. Truly, it's one of the greatest joys of my life to hear how this show has affected you guys and your dad jokes. This episode was produced by me and Kevin Shepard. Our senior producer is the king, Austin Mitchell. Editing is by Zach Stewart-Pontier and Mark Smerling. This episode was mixed by Sam Baer. Music by Kenny Kusiak. Now you know what that means. Our title track is Dark Allies by Light Asylum. Thank you, Shannon and Bruno, so, so, so much you made this show. Now
4: I die in a dark alleyway.
2: Thanks to Daniela Araya, Rachel Lee Wright, Emily Wiedemann, who, by the way, are all of our girlfriends and wives, Green Card Pictures, Alessandro Santoro, Bill Clegg, Ben Davis, Oren Rosenbaum, and the team at Cadence 13. And of course, my mom without whom none of this would be possible.